Welcome to Asia-Pacific Defence Reporter, your go-to source for cutting-edge security insights in the region. Get ready for rapid-fire analysis and commentary from the Asia-Pacific with your host, Kim Bergman. Hello and welcome back. This podcast will be a little bit more fractured than a couple of the previous ones because while I have some new information on the very sad story of Taipan helicopters being dismantled and buried, there probably isn't enough to cover the entire podcast, so I'm going to hop around a little bit. We've learned a few things, including, it would seem, uh, based on visual evidence gathered by the Nine Network for one of their reports last week, uh, there looks to be about a dozen almost completely intact Taipans, and uh, the state of the fleet overall, as I've reported, uh, is not as disastrous as the government seems to be pretending that uh, there are, credibly, anywhere between a dozen and 20 helicopters that could be made flyable with relative ease. But the government is absolutely tone deaf on this topic. They don't seem interested in talking with industry about how industry could help return uh, the helicopters to, to flying condition. They're certainly avoiding the media. And I really can't understand what it is that they are hoping to gain, because I can really say with genuine sincerity that I have not come across a single person who is supporting what the government is doing. It's just an extraordinary amount of one-way traffic entirely in favour of donating the helicopters to Ukraine on the very simple, inescapable logic that if our army no longer wants them, give them to people who desperately need them. Now, why the government is so completely tone deaf is a mystery for me. I mean, they're politicians. They should be able to read the room. They certainly get press clippings and media summaries and all of those sorts of things. And they would know that there's a lot of genuine community concern and in some cases straying over into anger about just how stupid the position of the government is. And I'm I'm reminded in a way uh, of one of the symptoms of the decline of the previous coalition government, and that was over the Biloela family. Now, some people might remember because it was only a few years ago that the very basics were that four Tamils uh, had been relocated to the outback town of Biloela, but then they were found to be in breach of their visa conditions, and the idea was that they would be sent back to Sri Lanka. Uh, But there was a popular outcry. The little town uh, of Biloela wanted them back. And they were then shuffled around all over the place. Uh, I think they went to Christmas Island and then they're released in Perth. And this dragged on for more than a year. And I remember even very, very conservative friends of mine getting sick and tired of this. They, They could see that the government was not benefiting at all. On the contrary, the government was bleeding support and even strong supporters of the coalition were saying privately, listen, we just have to put a stop to this now. Uh, I mean, it's for people that the Queensland community wants them back. So why should there be an issue? And instead, it was something that hurt the reputation of the government 
and added very much to their image of being out of touch and insensitive. Well, having seen all of that, it's now Labour with the Taipans that is going through exactly the same thing. No one can understand why they are being this stubborn, this intransigent, and frankly, this irrational about the whole thing. Now, another couple of uh, events occurred in the, you know, the last seven days. Germany has donated six of their very old Sea King helicopters to Ukraine. Australia used to have six Sea Kings ourselves. We retired those and replaced them with Taipan. So there might be, might be some sort of sense of irony there. And even little Ecuador, with a defence budget about one-twelfth or one-thirteenth the size of Australia's, they have donated helicopters. They have donated some of their old uh, Russian, maybe Soviet, MI-17 helicopters. And the reporting that I, I've seen on it is quite intriguing. It's suggesting that the United States, because their funding package is still held up by uh, a few Republicans in Congress who show no sign of backing down. So the United States is looking for other mechanisms to get stuff to Ukraine. So they've apparently done a deal with uh, Ecuador that in exchange for taking Ecuador's helicopters, oh, by the way, and classifying them as scrap, People, again, might see the amusement value in, in, in that. They're being classified as scrap, I'm assuming, to get around export license issues. Whereas here in Australia, our army and our Department of Defence is determined to literally reduce our Taipans to scrap. Even though the helicopters are designed to keep on flying until about 2038, it's just an extraordinary piece of vandalism. And again... If Germany can do it, and if Ecuador can do it, for me, that places even more pressure on the Australian Army and the Department of Defence to do the right thing, put them back together again. And, of course, I was watching Insiders on Sunday, all, all we people in the Canberra bubble, you know, it's sort of obligatory viewing Insiders cup of coffee, and the Prime Minister was on, and I was desperately hoping that David Spears would ask about Ukraine in general, and specifically about the Taipans. Uh, but alas, no, there was some sort of predictable question about airstrikes on the Houthis and the, the relevance of that for Australia, I don't know. And the Prime Minister, of course, gave a formulaic answer as if the Prime Minister would somehow disagree with the airstrikes. That was... I felt another wasted opportunity. And this is not just me pushing my particular obsessive barrow. There's just a lot of interest in what on earth is going on about Taipans. Anyway, if I or anyone else has the chance, there are two basic questions for Minister Miles and Conroy. And the first is, why didn't you donate them to Ukraine in mid-October when you were advised by Senator David Fawcett of Ukraine's interest? And why do you keep hinting that the Taipans are unsafe when you know perfectly well that the opposite is true? Oh, now, by the way, Minister Miles, I know that you have had the report into the Nara ditching for a couple of months now. So why not release it? Another unexplained thing I just happened to notice when I was doing a little bit of further research, 
If you look at the portfolio budget statements for defence, the annual budget papers, and turn to page 129, 129, in the land domain, there's a segment there about the multi-rolled helicopters MRH90. The budget allocation for this financial year for the, this is the Taipan fleet, was or is $285 million. Now, that's a slightly higher figure than the normal operating costs of the Taipans, but it included some extra work. And I'm just quoting here. During 2023-24, Defence will work with industry to assure capability through to the transition of the U-860M, that's the Black Hawk. Defence will commence drawdown and end-of-service arrangements for MRH-90 Taipan. Here's the crucial bit. A transition facility has been established at Townsville Airport to store aircraft in preparation for end-of-service. I'll just repeat. A transition facility has been established at Townsville Airport. So why isn't it being used? Why aren't the Taipans being safely stored there while the government and defence does some more investigative work into the best thing to do with the fleet rather than scrapping them? The budget came down in the middle of, in the middle of May so what was last year, so what was current then, you know, this facility and this plan, why wasn't that enforced? What changed the derailed defence from what, according to their own budget papers, looks to be a completely sound and sensible idea? Well, the whole idea of, of decommissioning them is very unsound and frankly stupid, but at least if you're going to do that, then rather than cut them up and bury them, at least store them in a responsible way. But since we've been chatting about Ukraine, here are a couple of broader observations about the fighting that's going on there, the, the terrible conflict. And as I said in a, po- a podcast um, last week, Ukraine is really desperately fighting for survival. It, it's, it's not a joke. But when you look at uh, how effectively... Ukraine has been at fighting back against large armoured formations. They're using conventional artillery. They're using HIMARS and other rocket systems. But the weapon that seems to be the, doing the most damage are these little FPV drones. FPV is first-person view. Basically, these quadcopters that are operated by guys with wraparound goggles and their little, like, Xbox controllers. The FPV drones can carry small shaped charges, which are more than sufficient to destroy even a main battle tank, let alone an infantry fighting vehicle. And even more so, when the Russians have left the hatches open and they can drop the grenade right into the uh, the vehicle itself, destroying it outright. And if you go on YouTube, you can find now hundreds of clips of this happening over and over again, wreaking havoc on Russian armoured forces. Now, this pretty clearly is the way that conflict is going in future, because these FPV drones are so cheap and so effective. I can imagine in future conflicts that, that in a an infantry squad, you're going to have at least one or two 
people with controllers and these things with warheads on them searching for targets. Now, what is Australia doing in that domain? Absolutely nothing that I'm aware of. It's barely even acknowledged as a problem. And the hints that I've heard coming from ADF people when I do raise this, it's along the lines of, oh, well, we wouldn't be operating in the same way that the Russians do. Well, I mean, how would you be operating? I would have thought that it should be an extremely high priority to get these FPV drones into service so that soldiers can start using them and figuring out their tactics for how to find targets and how to attack them. And we should also be rehearsing for the other part of the equation, namely how to defend against them. I don't mean just defending against one or two drones. I'm talking about defending against dozens of them because that's the way that Ukraine is using them. And I think that that is the way that any future adversary, irrespective of its size, will be countering Australian forces or attacking our people in the field. Anyway, and again, I think that the use of these little weapons needs to be as integral to ADF training as how to salute and how to fire a rifle. It's just the way of the future. And I mean, here, Ukraine, big picture, honestly, what is going on? The government talks loudly about being a supporter, but as well as burying the Taipans, and and by the way, I note that some former employees of Airbus have offered to come back and reassemble them for free, but, but the government is also ignoring a request for an emergency delivery of coal, and as I keep on repeating disgracefully, our embassy remains shut. So for me, not only do Richard Miles and Pat Conroy have questions to answer, so too does Penny Wong. I don't understand what her position is in all of this. Anyway, let's talk briefly about other systems that could be delivered. There's still a hope for Taipan, but that's going to be a struggle. But if we just look at other things in the ADF inventory, they've got 22 Tiger attack helicopters that they talk about retiring at the end of this year. Okay, let's start preparing now for getting the Tigers to Ukraine. Just like Taipan, Army no longer wants them and instead is spending $7 billion. Yes, taxpayers, that's $7 billion. Or that's about $300 for every man, woman and child in all of Australia. Place them with older design Apaches that I promise everyone will be a maintenance nightmare. So let's start working now on getting the Tigers there. Assuming, by the way, that Ukraine wants them, uh, and I think they would because they are a very effective helicopter, extremely fast and agile, much more so than Apache. And also in this regard, the army got it right with their original specification because the helicopters have both a 30 mil gun and Hellfire missiles and other weapons as well, like rocket pods. Some other users only went missiles, others only went guns. Australia got it right missiles and guns. Again, the helicopters could be kept operating successfully until 2038 or beyond. Army doesn't want them. Give them to Ukraine. It seems the logical thing to do. 
and as well as uh, the Tiger helicopter fleet, perhaps even more importantly, we could be donating an entire ground-based air defence system. In fact, Army has one at the moment that is being replaced under Land 19 Phase 7, a NASAMS system, quite effective, a sort of high-end system. And at the same time, they will phase out of service the existing product, which is based on three mobile, air, very effective air defence radars, giraffe radars from Saab. And from the same company are the RBS-70 ground-to-air missiles that they, they are unjammable. You basically shine a laser beam on the target, an aircraft or a drone or whatever, and the missile will follow the laser beam until it hits and destroys the target. Very effective in widespread use. In fact, I think Ukraine already does have RBS-70s. I'm not sure in what configuration, but they have some prior experience. And the three truck-mounted giraffe radars would be brilliant. In fact, in some respects, that they are better than the radars that we are getting through Land 19 Phase 7 because the the radars can be, they can be raised on a mast that vastly increases their search horizon. So that's another case. Our army no longer wants them. We're getting something new and better. They would be perfect for Ukraine. Let's do the right thing and donate them. Okay, that's enough picking on army for today. So I just thought I would finish the podcast um, to flesh out a comment I made several weeks ago about Navy self-sabotaging our two Canberra-class LHDs, 27,000 tonnes or thereabouts. And this came about as a consequence of an interview published in November with the Chief of Navy, Vice Admiral Mark Hammond, again, I thank him for his time, where I threw in an often asked question, why not buy some F-35Bs that's the short takeoff vertical landing version operated by the US Marine Corps and the Royal Navy and others, and to turn the LHDs into miniature aircraft carriers, you know, a dozen F-35s per LHD. And he replied, and people can go and read the interview again if they wish, that basically the ships would need a lot of work with deck strengthening and other stuff, and he seemed unenthusiastic about the idea. And rather than pressing the point at the time, the thought really didn't occur. I just moved on with me. But afterwards, I thought, look, hang on. The Spanish Armada, Spanish Navy, they are getting F-35Bs to operate from the carrier for Juan Carlos, which, of course, is the parent design for our two LHDs. The ships in terms of... of uh, layout and machinery and, and things like that are identical. So I made some inquiries, and this is hard to believe. But yes, indeed, the Australian LHDs were down-designed to make it impossible for a future government to operate F-35s from them. And I'm just gobsmacked. Why was this vandalism allowed to occur? Who approved the strategy? Why weren't they sacked at the time? The LHDs were ordered in 2007, from memory, so this is a long time ago. But honestly, what mentality 
is at work? What sort of responsible organisation, and here I mean the RAN and presumably CASG, takes it upon themselves to remove the capacity to operate fighter aircraft from a ship, two ships actually, when they could have no possible idea of threat scenarios in 10, 15 or 20 years' time. Uh, I mean, a system that produces decisions of this appalling quality is clearly dysfunctional. Taipans go in the same bracket. Oh, and by the way, I will now just conclude by saying, Air Force, you're not off the hook either. And in a future podcast, I'm going to go into some of the lack of process involved in your decision to replace C-130J aircraft with more C-130J aircraft and some unexplained cost increases in amongst all of that. So, as usual, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you next time. That's today's Asia-Pacific Defence Reporter. For more in-depth articles, expert opinions and exclusive interviews, visit asiapacificdefensereporter.com. Stay informed, stay ahead. This is your source for all things defence. Until next time.